Welcome to Fireside with Voxcake, podcast for professional public speakers. I'm your host, Richard Roger, the founder of Voxgate.com, which is an online community and service for speakers and event professionals. In each episode, we sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you're an aspiring speaker or just want to improve your onstage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. My guest today is Florin Cardison. Florin is a software architect, an agile coach, and a pioneer in developing CodeCamp Romania, an initiative for young software developers in Romania and Moldova. Besides his technical skills, Florin has also gained a wide range of experience as a corporate trainer and a speaker at conferences and community events. In this episode, we take a journey through Florin's trial and error style of learning to find out how to become a great public speaker. Florin, thank you so much for joining us today on the Fireside with Vox Gig podcast. Uh, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for, for having me, Richard. Fantastic. I'm going to start with uh, my favorite question, uh, which is, uh, can you tell me about the very first time, the very first time that you stood up on a stage to give a technical talk? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Was it bad? <laughs> good, good and then memories. A lot to learn uh, from that experience. Yeah. I had no idea at that moment uh, how important the preparation phase is for for you know giving a talk so for sure I was asked to provide some of my uh, experience and share some of my experience on on a particular topic it was related to some Microsoft stack called the Windows Communication Foundation uh I had quite a lot of experience at that time with that given the fact that it was a new technology so not that many people had the the, the chance to to be hands-on with that. So uh, I participated in the so-called MSDN Roadshow organized by Microsoft here in my own town, Yash. Uh, I was very confident I can deliver a lot of things for the people uh, in terms of the content, of course, but I had no clue how to really prepare for, uh, for a presentation or how to deliver it. I mean, I had some, well, you know, sense of that. But I, I didn't do it before, uh, and especially not in front of a larger audience. How big was the audience? Three hundred people. 300? Actually, that was your first yeah. talk. Yeah, wow. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, great experience. I was a bit astonished yeah. to see all those guys uh, looking yeah. at me and trying to get stuff for me. You know, um, <clears throat> so I started. You know, a lot of enthusiasm, of course, because uh, I was very. You know, confident that the technology was a great one. And uh, uh, I kind of knew some of the people in the audience. Uh, some were my colleagues, some were um, colleagues from other companies. So I started. Uh, I had something like uh, 60 minutes, actually, for the talk. But, uh, you know, uh, once I started and I started looking at uh, in their eyes, it was the end of the day. Well, for five minutes, everyone was uh, as excited as uh, I was. But then I suddenly discovered that some of them were, you know, not really sleeping, but some of them, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one of six persons. Whoa. That, that, okay. that totally ruined yeah. my, you know, my, yeah, my experience, yeah. my confidence. Um, I had no clue at that time how to wake up my audience. 
So I continued and continued to deliver and to tell them a lot of things. Um, from a technical perspective, though, the, those were very interesting things. I didn't uh, realize at the moment that many of the people had no idea what the technology was about. So, you know, the way I approached them uh, in the first 10 to 15 minutes was totally wrong. I considered them being, you know, uh, maybe not proficient with technology, but to have a good awareness of the technology, which was not the case. So, well, in retrospect, of course, the, the one thing that I learned is, well, understand your audience, you know, yeah. all these but coldies of the public speaking. Yeah, and then I continued and continued. At some point, I just... Uh, you know, uh, lost my my um, initial plan, so I started digging into stuff that I wasn't planning to deliver not necessarily. But didn't you have slides? I had slides. Uh, I had too many slides. I had a lot of demos. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, too I'll much content, it. actually. Yeah, exactly. So with a bit of more preparation, I would have understood that. Uh, well, you need to have maybe three to six important key messages that you want to convey to the audience. Um, maybe some two or three uh, demos, but relevant demos, not all the, you know, cool and nice, but not very relevant things that uh, I, discovered, I discovered along the way. So the big things maybe, at least for, for this level of presentation or talk that I was uh, giving at the moment. Uh, and of course, many other things that I've discovered in, in that particular Talk and after, uh, and also after the discussions with with the kind persons who who had the generosity to, to provide me uh, with feedback, because uh, that that's in a way a rare thing. So people don't usually provide feedback. I mean, uh, or honest feedback, anyway. Or honest feedback, or uh, well, let let me put it differently. It's it's uh, it's a difficult thing to get honest and relevant feedback from the from the audience. There are yeah. many ways to do it, but in face-to-face -face conversation, some will give you the right feedback, others will not. Yeah. yeah. So all in all, it was a great experience, but it was painful, to be honest. Lots of learning. Lots of learning. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I mean, I, I just, just thinking about uh, your description of it there, it, it seems like there's a couple of fundamental lessons. Uh, one is preparation. Maybe we should talk about preparation because it's so important. Uh, but then the... the the um, the content thing. So you as a speaker, you know so much, but you always have to cut it down to the, the smallest message that works. And then this idea that you know, there's always going to be people in your audience who will not have energy and who are going to be reading their email or whatever. So not to let that get inside your head. Yeah, absolutely. Again, time boxing is one of the most important yeah, things. Yeah. So no matter how good you were, if you're you know <laughs> abusing the audience uh, by by overrunning too much. And by not having a, a good call to arms or call to action at the, at the end and maybe some conclusions to, to remind them, to, to recall them what was um, all about in the talk, uh, I think yeah, you can just lose all the momentum that you've uh, gained during your presentation. And if you had to give this talk again to 300 people, you'd be much more comfortable now, right? You would know. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, so to be honest, I, I, I felt in love with doing this kind of activity. For me, it's a uh, huge source of energy and of learning at the same time. Uh, so then I understood that I need to prepare. So to be honest, I, uh, I had a coach in this respect. So I, I, I went to a public speaking course and then I continued that relationship with uh, my, my, my coach and my mentor. And I 
just discovered all the good tricks that you have to uh, comply with that if you want to, to, to give a, a good talk in front of the people. And I think one of the most important things for everyone who think of uh, uh, giving a talk is uh, just to recognize the fact that it's not about you, it's about your audience. And you have to try to understand who are they, um, what are their interests, uh, what is their, uh, you know, um, energy at that moment in time. Um, I mean, how, how, I mean, I think you, you have to approach people differently if it's, if it's early in the morning or late in the day. Uh, all the things, uh, count. Yeah, it's an, it's an important part of preparation, isn't it? Understand your audience and then just think about yeah. basic things like, you know, in the morning they're going to have more energy, but if you talk straight after lunch, then you have to do more work because people are, They've just they're they're sleepy because they just had food. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. all of these small things. And you you got a um, so it's really interesting that you say you 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 fell in love with it and then you you got uh, some training and you got coaching because most people don't do that. Uh, I think they should consider doing that. I think they should consider doing that because uh, unless you're part of the you know five percent of this this world who have this uh, as a native skill. All of us, all, all the others, we need to, to learn how to do it and to, to keep in mind the fact that we need someone uh, alongside to help us with advice and that we have to ask people for feedback and to continuously try to improve ourselves and never stop doing it because uh, then you, you lose the skill, actually. So after a break of maybe six months of not, not giving a talk, um, you'll not feel uh, that comfortable uh, when starting again. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you, you, you lose the skill. That, that's, yeah, that's the word, actually. That's true. It's, I, I noticed this myself. Um, if I don't talk for a while, you, you get you get more nervous when you have to go back. And it is a skill, though, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. Well, for myself, um, it's, it's easier to, to do workshops than... than uh, talks in front of a, I don't know, huge audience, uh, especially because you don't get the chance to interact with them. You don't see their eyes. You don't see the, you don't have the opportunity to maybe to ask questions and, and, and get answers straight away. Uh, maybe you have uh, someone in the room who, who would help you with some microphone or the person in the audience wants to answer, but then you, you lose the con- that kind of connection. So... So you prefer it's, it's been, smaller, smaller audiences? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, because I have the chance to 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 really to interact with them. I'm I'm also doing it for larger audiences, but I need them. Uh, I, I mean, I I totally recognize that I need to be to do like a TV show. You have to rehearse quite a lot. Uh, there is no uh, so much uh, space for spontaneous spontaneous uh, you know uh, interaction. It, it's different. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I find uh, smaller audiences uh, make me more nervous because uh, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It, it, people can ask very difficult questions and there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> you have to yeah. you have to know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's an important that's an important thing to be prepared as well, of course. Yeah, so from the my own experience and and uh, uh, from sharing um, and discussing with with other people who are doing public speaking, um yes that's one of the pain points so people are afraid of tough questions from the audience but i think there are many ways in which we can 
um, deal with, with those questions. Uh, on, on one hand, some of the questions, um, but it, 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 it also depends who's behind that question. You know? Sometimes you've got, you know, uh, <laughs> Those people, the specialists in the room, who wants to really put yeah, it on. yeah. You always get that, don't you? You get one guy who's he, he just wants to, he just wants to show that he's clever. Yeah, and yeah. it's not about the talk. Uh, it's kind of negative for the audience. It is. It is. So you've got multiple options. One of them is to really ignore him or her. That's the case. Otherwise, um, one of opportunities to turn that person into your friend. Oh, how uh, do I do that? <laughs> yeah, you just pass the mic and say, okay, now what's your opinion? Now you're the speaker. Now it's your responsibility okay. to make these guys understand what you're saying. But please don't ruin the entire pursuit of the, of the talk. And then they suddenly start becoming your friends because they, there is a huge responsibility when you have the mic. And I have to address the entire audience and uh, yeah, look around at the, at the people and maybe they understand or not what you're saying. But yeah, that's yet another Let me possible. have to give a presentation without slides. Very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I wanted to talk about um, CodeCamp as well because um, that, that's, uh, that's just something that's, um, you've done a lot of hard work on. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So how we started that so i can recall it was uh late in the night what should i call it early in the morning so my friends somewhere in the mountains so you know that philosophical moment in the morning when you're asking yourself what what's next in our lives you know yeah and there was a moment um in our history when uh, a lot of people were traveling all over the world some were leaving the the city some of our friends left the city so I said, we have to do something. Uh, what is that painful thing that we don't have around? I mean, uh, this, that, that, or that helpful thing that we don't have around. There was no sense of community at that moment in the, in the area. Uh, of developer we, community. Yeah, exactly. And we, we've, we've recognized the need. And then we started very small. So it was like a three-day um sort of a hackathon combined with learning activities, um, talks, hands-on um, coding together with other three, 30 or 40 people. And that's how we started. So we just gave it a name, CodeCamp. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. So it's just started as a hackathon uh, and, now it's, and now it's kind of like conferences and meetups. Yes. So. Yes. So people uh, heard about it. Uh, then, well, they express their intention to participate. It's difficult to, to organize all. Of it. it was difficult at that moment to organize a larger hackathon. So we started as a conference. But, uh, in time, of course, we added various components like master classes, hackathons, and other sorts of, uh, um, activities around the conference. The conference here in Yash grew very, um, I mean, very rapidly. So we doubled and doubled edition by edition. Uh, it reached, 700 people after i think three or four years wow, okay. of, of code camps then uh, we did not have that many locations where to organize uh, such a such a conference luckily enough there was another venue that just opened uh, its doors uh, and since then we're organizing it there and now we've got something like at least in yash uh, we've got something like uh, 
16 to 1700 people all over the day. It's a Saturday event. That's a big conference. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's quite big, quite, quite large, quite large. Then we started doing that in other cities uh, in Romania, and uh, now in 2018, we're, we're we're just about to finalize the series of code camps next Saturday on the 24th of November in Cluj. A series of 12 conferences. All went pretty well. Lot of uh, lot, lots of enthusiasts, lots of people. So. Well, it's a good sense of you know fulfillment for 2019. Yeah, so you you created it, uh, <clears throat> and it's fantastic. And you created it. it it's, it's kind of like a distributed organization, a distributed conference almost. Uh, with people in different cities running different events. Yeah, actually, it's a it's a handful of of people. Yeah. <laughs> but we're like in a roadshow, to be honest, all over the year. So, oh, so you go to different cities. Lots of. Yeah, yeah, we're going to different cities, but it's kind of the same core team. But then we've got a lot of partners and volunteers and other communities that we engage with. And they are very helpful, uh, of course. But the core team is uh, well, six people, actually. Wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. Are you, are you all developers? Uh, three of them, three of us, yes. Yeah. Uh, you still code. You, you still code, don't you? From time to time. Yeah. I, I, I don't get too to much time right now to do coding, but yeah, from time you, to time. You, you, were, you were a software developer at the start oh. of your career. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. How, how, so did you, I, how did you get interested? How did you become a developer? Hmm. <laughs> it's quite a story. So yeah. by, by pure coincidence, so I, I never thought about that. So I had different other um obsessions in mind so to say but uh, i've been in a military high school at some point and then i i left of course uh and then by pure coincidence i met a guy in a train who was uh really keen to become a developer he explained me what that means he told me that you know the future is all about technology i kind of Wait, so, so, hold on a sec, sorry. this is some guy that you met on the train yeah. yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And then we, we, we wow, of course, okay. we became friends. We done a lot of things together. Uh, but this is how I applied for the for the um, computer science faculty here in Yash. And then I, yeah, I managed to to be part of that faculty. And then I, after actually after one or more years, I discovered the pleasure in doing. Uh, you know, <laughs> coding and development, uh, and the seeds were were you know out of the blue again. Yeah, there was a guy. We were meeting like you know uh, constantly for month and month uh, doing gaming during the nights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but one night that guy uh, had something to to finish for for the for the next day. He had, he had a deadline, and I just stood behind him looking at what he was doing and then he started to explain so without knowing I, i've been doing some something like i don't know maybe pair programming i, I had no yeah. idea how to how to do that but uh and then i discovered the taste and then then the next weeks he, he teached me you know? uh and then i started by myself and yeah and then was it inside you was it did it did it click inside your brain or was it hard work it was a lot of hard work to be honest yeah. Yeah, because uh, I was totally neglecting in the you know the, that kind of passion. Uh, 
so I, I I could say that I discovered my passion for 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 development, software development. Uh, so it was not yeah. something. It was no genius, you know. I don't yeah. have that. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> uh, some because some people start when they're five years old and they always want to do it. Yeah, which I'm yeah. very jealous of because they know what their life is going to be. Yeah, me as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I uh, very much respect these guys who, yeah. by the age of five or ten or eighteen, know what to do in life. So I've just uh, discovered along the way, went with the flow in a way. Yeah, the rest of us just have to find out. Uh, but uh, so, what happens now with CodeCamp? What 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 is the future? Where do you want, what do you want to do with it? So uh, for two years, we just exploded in in the entire country yeah. and in in Kishino, which is in Moldova. Uh, so we're thinking of stabilizing CodeCamp um, in, uh, in 2019 and possibly go abroad um, uh, in the next years. Um, I mean, there are many people who, who uh, left Romania, but now they're looking to go back. They're maybe in Barcelona and London and Berlin and many other uh, important cities. Uh, and they're calling us and uh, asking, why don't we do a code camp here? Uh, yeah, good question, actually. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, you should, because I mean, that, that's, that's a very powerful audience and a very loyal audience. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. And I think we, especially because we could benefit from, from their help. So uh, some of them started their professional life. Uh, is being part of code camp and then they went abroad they very feel very linked with what we're doing here and um, uh, I, I cannot tell for sure what we're going to do so next year is the stabilizing phase yeah. for sure uh, but who knows in 2020 and how do you manage the um how do you manage the content you must have some speakers in romanian and some speakers in english and how do you manage that that aspect of the, of the events? Yeah, so so we invite speakers from all over the world. Yeah, that's that's uh, one point. Then uh, there are many speakers in Romania who are already part of the community and they are applying. Uh, and we're also trying to work more and more with the with the companies to uh, to share from their experience to open their doors and to, to, to contribute into into the community so they are also helping us to um, get speakers um, who have been doing a lot of interesting things in their company and then uh, now they are they're joining code camp and they are sharing from their experience so people just contribute or propose um, you know, talk sessions are guided by us. Uh, but there is an, also a, a part of an emergent agenda. So, because we're just launching something like maybe six to eight major themes. But there is also a, a part which is really emergent. I mean, people can propose whatever they want. And we appreciate that as being a source of, you know, um, uh, link to the reality of our industry here uh, locally. Sometimes you get, you get a lot of, um, insights from the outside, but that's not necessarily your world, your local world. So even cities sometimes are, are different in Romania in terms of the, um, industry sectors they're working for 
or various, I don't know, technological flavors, which are yeah. applied in, in companies. And sometimes the reason are like, I don't know, maybe there were some faculty that teaches some sort of a course and a course, and then that, that becomes a de facto language or de facto technology or the initial, uh, the initially considered technology for starting a project. And that, that's simple, you know? Yeah. So, so different, like, cities, uh, different cities in, in are you saying different cities in Romania would have different languages, different focuses? Yeah. So yeah, as I mentioned, so depending on what they're doing in terms of industry, some of them are very, maybe very focused on the automotive sector. And then of course the tools in the automotive sector is different than in the, I don't know, other sorts of industry like healthcare or sure. finance or. And do people move between cities a lot? Uh, lately, if, I want to code, if I want to code JavaScript, I have to go to to uh, Cluj, maybe or something. Uh, like not necessarily. If you if you if you want to have a nice uh, social life or uh, nightlife, maybe you move to Cluj for a while and then <laughs> taste, taste a bit of the rest, and then maybe you get back to Yash, maybe. Okay, uh, so this, you have to consider the full the full context. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It, 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 it's a it's a full context to be considered, not not just the language, you know. Fantastic. Okay, so I, I'm going to uh, close with um, asking you to for a little bit of uh, advice. Um, so this this podcast is is about helping developers learn how to do public speaking and how to advance their careers uh, by speaking at conferences. Uh, so if if I'm today, I'm I'm a I'm a junior developer. I've never spoken at a at a conference or a meetup. What's your advice to me? How do I get started? Just start doing that. So <laughs> exposure is, I think, is the first source of learning. Of course, you, you will expose yourself in a friendly environment together with your, I don't know, teammates. That's the first thing to do. They okay. will uh, give you advice for sure. Never think that uh, you're not competent enough or you don't know enough uh, in order to, to be able to share with others. There will be always other people, you know, more junior in here. And at the right moment, you will have something relevant for them, but you just have to know um, who you're talking with. You're, you're talking with, you know, your audience. So, of course, yeah. if you're a junior and thinking of doing some talks, you will not necessarily uh, try to share your well experience with the most senior people in the world, uh, because they probably know already know that, or maybe, but, but but maybe you have to. Uh, uh, test a little bit. Maybe you've got a nuance that the others uh, <clears throat> haven't got already. And maybe, yeah, you can share that. But first thing is that, yes, you have to know your audience. You have to prepare quite a lot in terms of the content that you want to deliver. Uh, validate that content with others smarter than you. Yes. Um, and then start doing it. And then uh, uh, continuously up upgrade your skills. Iterate. <laughs> iterate, iterate, absolutely, absolutely. Everyone iterates. I mean, yeah. and once you give a talk, uh, and you discuss with the people and get the feedback, then you will upgrade it for sure. Next time it will be better. Yeah. And then the and next give the same talk again. You don't. You don't have to have a new talk every single time. No, you can no. improve an existing one. Exactly. Exactly. Of course, you're not going to go all over the world with the same talk and bore people. You know? No. But uh, of course. You, 
two or three anyway for sure uh yeah yeah <laughs> that, that's you could that you could do for sure mm-hmm. florin uh thank you so much that this has been really really wonderful uh it's been a pleasure talking to you my pleasure and yeah always eager to to share for my for my experience if i have something to say it will be relevant for for anyone i will do that for sure wonderful thank you so much bye thank bye thank you Thank you so much for listening. Just a few things before the embers fade and we wrap up another episode of Fireside with VoxGig. You can find notes and links from this podcast at voxgig.com slash podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter on public speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art, Not especially easy to master, but a skill like any other. One you can also learn. Visit foxgig.com slash newsletter to subscribe. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Please also leave a review. That helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact me directly, please email richard at voxgig.com. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let me know and I'll add you to our supporters page. Till next time, remember, take a deep breath, pause, and step forward.